Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Now, you know, I'm here to talk about, well, I call it putting up with difficult people. That's what Cade wants me to talk on this morning. And I start thinking about that, and it's probably not going to go any way that I expect it to go. And I've got a whole page up here, but I'm probably not even going to look at it. That's all right. That's kind of how I roll. Just let me know, Brian, when 20, 25 minutes hits, because I know how it is to be in that nursery. I do. I've spent like two months in that nursery, and it, it, it'll just wear you out. It wore me out more than when I preached every Sunday. And I was only in there for a month. It's crazy in there. You need to go try it. It'll straighten you out faster than anything. You'll be thinking, oh, thank God for those nursery workers. No kidding, those kids workers. My goodness, we got to remember them. Well, when Kate asked me to talk about this, I thought, I don't really know any difficult people. (laughs) But you can ask Gina, does she know any difficult people? <laughs> and I was going to say, those of you who've known me for a while, which you don't, those of you who have known me for a while might know that I used to be a little difficult. I could actually probably turn this over to Gina right now. She could preach the rest of the sermon. What makes a difficult person? Come on, I want somebody to tell me that. What makes a difficult person? Stubborn? Your attitude, because stubborn is part of your attitude, right? That makes a difficult person. Now, anybody in here want to be real brave and say, yes, I've been a difficult person? Look at you. Half of you. Half of you. Yes, I've been a difficult person in my life. Hmm. As soon as we admit it, things can get better. If we decide to make them better. Now, if my oldest son was here and Cade could tell you, when I was younger, I had a temper. I had a, I had a terrible temper. And it seemed like anything that would go wrong, I would just explode because that was the only way that I knew what to do. Why? Anybody want to guess? It was a learned trait for me. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Anytime that anything would go wrong with my dad, he would blow up. My parents are both gone now. But anytime he would, he would, anything would go wrong, he would just, I mean, it was just like an explosion. And I can remember, guys, I can remember the times when mom would be so upset, she would go in the bathroom and lock the door. I, I just have a feeling that somebody's been there. Got testimony. Mom would go in there and lock the door, and, and my sister and I would go in there and try and console her and this and that, and, and, you know, everything would get a little bit better, and then two or three weeks later, the same thing. And so as I watched it, I thought, that's exactly how a father needs to react and how a husband needs to react to his wife. And I became... Very difficult at probably the age of 12, right around there. 
I remember the dis distinctly the one time, and it's probably many times, but I remember this time that I came up, my mom said something to me, and I was probably 13, 14 years old, and I screamed back at her. I said, don't you talk to me like that. And anybody that knows my mom, she was just really, she knew what a fly swatter was used for. <laughs> but she was just really calm in everything that she did. And she looked straight at me and she said, oh my gosh, you are just like your dad. I didn't know. I didn't really know how to take that. That's what she saw. She said, you are just like your dad. So I kind of was, I was kind of proud of my dad for a long time because he taught me how to work. He taught me my work ethic. He taught me all that stuff. But I didn't understand that dad was hurting uh, just as much as anybody else. Because he grew up in a family of nine kids in Arkansas, way up in the hills. And, and they just, all they saw was each other. And I, you know, there's just all kinds of stuff that go on, you know, in a, in a family that big. And that's the only way he knew how to react. Because no one ever told him any different. See? And therefore, nobody any told, told me any different until I was older. I was probably 40, 45 years old until I said, that's not the way to... That, if, I keep, if I keep treating Gina that way, she's probably not going to hang around. And I'm not going to have a relationship with my kids. I already saw it. Because who wants to be around an explosive type person? Who wants, to, who wants to deal with that kind of crap in your house? No. Nobody. So I became very difficult. I was, I, it was a learned thing for me. I just thought, man, that's the way it's supposed to be. And I'm telling you, Jody, I wasted 30 some odd years of pride and resentment and everything else because that's just how I thought. I, and people would ask me, Tim, they would ask me and I'd say, that's just how I am, so don't you try to change me. That's just how I am. There's some people in here right now. Man, I'm looking at your face and there's some people in here right now that you've been told the same thing. You've been told the same thing and you're thinking that's just the way I am and you've even said it. You've even said that's just the way I am. Don't you try to change me. That's not the way you are. You see, because we already stood up and we already said who we are. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and therefore, see, you don't have to put up with that. Yeah, but that was how my dad was, and, and I loved my dad, and, that's, and he was right. No, your dad may not have been right. My dad was not right. There were some things that my parents did that were not correct, and there are some things that you're doing with your kids right now that are not correct. Now, don't sit there and look at me and say, Mark, don't you ever talk to me like that again. Well, I won't have to get up here very much. <laughs> so you can listen to me today. We, are, we do not do everything right with our kids. Not a one of us in here is doing everything right. You can argue and argue with me and slap me upside the head and tell me I'm wrong, but I'm right. Come on. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. 
Not a one of us have done everything right, and not a one of us will do. You younger, you, the guys with the younger kids, you're not going to do everything right. Give it up. If you think that you're going to do everything right, and if you do not have people with you that can help you through the times that you're going to have with those kids and in your marriage, there's, man, you're going to have problems that you shouldn't even have. Gene and I had no one to talk to. And the things we went through in our marriage earlier in our, in, in our, in our early, we've been married for 35 years now, but when we, in, in our marriage in an earlier time, we didn't have anybody to talk to. We was afraid to talk to anybody. Gina left me two or three times, at least twice. Her dad made her come back. She said, you can't even imagine her leaving me, can you? Sitting back going, why? <laughs> That's how difficult I was. What makes a difficult person? What makes a difficult person? Selfishness. We already know what a difficult person is because we all deal with that. What makes a difficult Unrest. What else? Anybody else? Pride. Okay. What else? What? Lack of patience. You know you guys are telling on yourself, right? That's why I had you do that. <laughs> yeah. Afraid of what's going on? The past? The present? <laughs> what? Future? You see? Everything. We all are struggling. Uh, in, case you have, in case you have forgotten, God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for those who are faithful. Yeah, thank God. Right, John? He's not looking for perfect people because if he was, we, none of us would be here. John Curry would have been gone a long time ago. Ken Rob would have been out the door. There's just no perfect people. He's looking for those who are faithful in knowing that he's got you. No matter the dumb thing, you know, we just all do so many dumb things in here. The only reason we're difficult is because we make ourselves difficult. Because if you're born again, and I, and, I, and I can assume that most of us are in here, but if you're born again, there's no difficult on the inside of you. You see, let me explain this. Let me explain this a little more. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you. You're not going to wait anymore for the Spirit of God to come to you. The Spirit of God is already here. So if you've gotten into this teaching or if you've been into this teaching that the better that you are or the more things that you do or the more that you give or the more you go to church or just the better person that you are, the more God you have, that's false teaching. Because when you're born again, the Spirit of God resides on the inside of you and He is not going to leave. I'm caught up in your holy presence. We ought to change that to, you're never going to leave. Because he's not. He's not going to leave. See, he's on, the inside of you, he's on the inside of you, but you've got to make the decision to let him out. Now, let me ask you this. Are there difficult Christians? I think we've already determined that. Are there, difficult Christ- are there difficult Christians out there 
that we all have to deal with? Come on now. If we've got the Spirit of God on the inside of us, why are we so difficult? What makes a difficult person? Let me bring up this. Can you bring up my scripture for me? Got a, got a new scripture guy back there. Ethan did not want to work for me this morning, so he's had... <laughs> Philippians. Not even looking at my notes. Chapter 4. And my God... Now watch this. This is one of those, oh, I heard this before. I don't need to hear it again. And my God shall supply all... Your... Whose... Let's just back this up. You guys are looking at me like another scripture. And my God. Everybody say, my God. Shall supply. According to your riches and glory. Amen. Woo, boy, we got that figured out. Might as well go home. According to his. His. Everybody say his again. Everybody say it's not. Mine, it's His. In other words, it's not your ideas. You see, because He, he when you were born, when you were conceived, when, he, when you were in your mother's womb, God knew who you were and God had a plan for you. Even before you were born, even with, man, the very moment, the very second that you were conceived, He had a plan. I got a plan for him. I got a plan for her. I got a plan for Amy. And Amy has got to make the decision to follow. Yeah. Well, I'm not picking on Amy because the rest of you do too. I do too. Because God will love us. He just, oh, here's a, here's a secret. God loves difficult people. God loves difficult people. Look at your look at your neighbor. Say God loves you, even though you are difficult. Woo! Boy, that was hard for some of you guys to do. God loves you, and yes, you are difficult. God loves difficult people because he he really he, you know he really expects that out of us. He expects us not to do everything perfect. He expects us to go through times. Do you know that those times are the growing times? Those times, well, they should be. But some of us make a decision not to grow. Yeah, but it's God's fault that I didn't know. He doesn't have anything to do with you not growing. Mm-mm. Well, yeah, it's Pastor Cade's fault. That's what it is. Everybody point the finger at Cade. You can't point it at me no more, so you can point it at Cade. Do you ever notice that he's getting braver every Sunday? <laughs> He's going to be up here spitting and hollering within a year. <laughs> Beth's going to go, you're just like your dad. <laughs> he just gets braver all the time. It just amazes me. Well, anyway, where was I? Did we ever get done with that? All right, let's go back. Put it back up there. And my God shall supply all your my needs... According to his riches and glory, in or by Christ Jesus. See, so when you're born again, you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is in you. Therefore, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. It don't matter how you feel. It don't matter how your life is going. 
It don't matter what anybody says to you. And once again, it don't matter what you do to yourself. You're still the righteousness of God in Christ. Quit thinking that you can just do better and better and better. And God's going to love you. And, you know, things are going to do better just because you're doing better and all this. The more good that you do in this world, the more the devil's going to come after you. He is going to come to kick your hiding. But see, the thing is, the more we know who we are, the less he can do to us. The more we understand who we are, here it goes, the less difficult we are. There ain't no real secret to this. We just brought it down to a nutshell. In like 20 minutes, Brian hadn't even waved at me. It hadn't even been 25 minutes yet. We brought it down to a nutshell because, you see, the moment we receive Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have the ability to do whatever God has called us to do. And if you're a difficult person and you're already born again, it's just because you've made the decision to be difficult. I, you see, I made that decision. It doesn't have anything. To, listen, it doesn't have anything to do with your mama or your daddy or your granny or your aunt or your uncle. This is, this is who you are, folks. You make the decision to be who you are today. I make the decision to be who I am today. Do I make mistakes? Yes. Oh, my goodness. One story and I'm going to close. Those of you know that I'm self-employed. been self-employed for 35 years. About, about that. And I started a job the other day. I'm a contractor. Uh, you call me an excavator. I'm a contractor and I started a job the other day with a fellow that just had a heart attack. And he was, listen, he was in a bad mood. He had just got through and they had to, they have to send him to California every week to do his therapy. So he, he flies from here to California every Sunday and he stays there until Wednesday and he does therapy. He's really in a bad mood, folks. I would be too. Yeah. <laughs> Do this every week. Still doing it. He was just angry. Anybody ever, have y'all ever seen anybody like that? He was just angry. And so I was trying to smooth everything over and, you know, it was a big job and I got right into the middle of the job and for some reason he saw me out there doing it and I hear this time and time again, you make things look really easy. I hear that all the time. So he decided, he said, you know, I like what I, like what I see and, and I like this and I like it. I, I would like to do some of it myself and then I'm going to call you back to get it done. I went... Lord, help me with this difficult person. I said, okay, if that's what you'd like to do, just call me back. He said, it'll be just a few days. Three weeks later, he didn't call me back. He owed me several thousands of dollars at this point. So you all understand, by then you're going, um, uh, I guess I better call him. So I drove over there, and bless his heart, he had the whole yard tore up. Half of everything that I had done was just completely destroyed. And he didn't want to tell me. 
He just didn't want to, he didn't want to tell me. So he kept trying to fix it, kept trying to fix it. The equipment started falling apart on him that he had rented. He just couldn't do it. Well, another week come by and he goes, okay, I think I'm ready for you to come back and finish. I went over there and he had never, it was just a mess. Guys, it was a mess. And I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? You know what, you know what the devil's trying to tell me? You're getting ready to go to court, boy. Yeah, that's what started going through my mind. And Gene and I were getting ready to leave on the cruise that we just came back on. The devil kept saying, you're getting ready to go to court, so you better get ready. Well, sure enough. Two days before we left, he texted me. He said, I just feel like that you haven't done your job. In a text, big long text. He said, I just feel like that you haven't done your job, and well, I'm going to tell everybody. And I'm reading this, I'm going, uh, well, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to. All of a sudden, this thing began to rise in me. <laughs> the old bark started to come out. I'm getting ready to go over and I'm going to bust this boy and roll him down the driveway. I Really, I was thinking that. I was thinking, I'm going to go over and get him. Don't you guys look at me like that, like you didn't do the same, you would have done the same thing. I said, no, yeah, I said, oh, I'm going mm, to. Mm. Well, he sent a big long text. He said, first of all, I'm going to tell everybody that you're bad. That what you did to me, I'm going to tell everybody that you don't finish your jobs. I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And see, this just normally doesn't happen to me. So I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And I just started backing. I just started mouthing back at him. Yeah, it felt good there for a minute. <laughs> I just started, well, you, don't, you just don't understand what you're doing. You just don't, you know, I just, I just started mouthing back at him. Things began to escalate, and he began to get a little more difficult because I was becoming difficult to him. After a big, long text, we won't go through it, big, long text of how bad I was, I got in the truck, and I sat there. I'm just sitting there, and I'm at another job. And I'm just sitting there going, what am I? All of a sudden, I thought, maybe I better ask the Lord what I need to do. <laughs> because every time I try to do it myself, I mess stuff up so bad. I mess stuff up so bad. So I said, Lord, just, and I didn't, oh, Father God, please, thou must help me. I didn't do that. I said, God, I need your help right now. Now, because I'm getting ready to do something that I shouldn't be doing. I knew it, man. Darla, I knew I was going to just, I was going to, I was ready to ream him out. I knew since he just had a heart attack, I wouldn't have a problem, amen? <laughs> he wasn't even back in shape yet. That was going through my mind. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me because I'm getting, I'm getting ready to mess up. He said, calm down, make your words sweet and diligent and understand who you are. I said, oh, man. So I did. 
I said, you know what? I'm really sorry that you're looking that you that you see me that way. I want to do anything I can to change your mind about me. And I don't want us to go away being mad at each other. I don't want to be mad at you. I don't want you mad at me. What can I do to make it right? He said, I'm going to take off some of your money. Money talks. Because every time we see this right here, what do we think of? Come on. That's not what that's all about, folks. That's not about your... The moment that we start centering on finances, we're never going to get where we think we're going. Those of you who think, I'm going to be the greatest, I'm going to have the most money, some of us can attest to this. Some of us older guys, we're going to have the, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this. The, the minute that you focus on money instead of your family and the things at home, you're never going to get where you think you're going. I don't care if you like that statement or not. It's just, it's the truth. Listen to old Paul Paul, Pastor Paul Paul. Why do I know this? Because I've said the same thing. So my words got sweet because really that's what, I need. look at here. Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Oh, that's in the Bible. Uh, look here. Let your speech, Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be graceful. How many of you got graceful speech in here? How many of you have got difficult people in your family? Is your speech graceful? Do you like to... Do you notice that on Facebook when you argue about certain things, you ain't getting nowhere for nothing. When you argue about politics, anything else, you're not helping anything. You're not helping anything. The same goes to when you start arguing with family... All right, let's go on. <laughs> Let your speech be graceful and seasoned with salt. That's what it says. So that, huh? So that, I thought somebody was quoting the verse. So that you will know how to answer. Let your words be graceful, seasoned. In other words, don't jump to conclusions. Don't say something simply because you think somebody's trying to get you. Somebody's trying to do better than you. Somebody's trying to... Because, you know, difficult people are going to push your buttons. They're going to come right out there and they're going to go, beep! They're going to go, beep! Because that's where it hurts. That's where it hurts. They're going to do that. Let your words be, you see, because whatever comes out of your mouth is what's going to change things or is going to make it worse. Amen? Uh, I guess you guys want to hear what I did. Or have you already forgotten? Okay. Really, I'm going to close with this. <laughs> Just a minute. <laughs> I said, what can I do? And he said, I'm going to take off some of your money. I thought, what in the world? You know, he already agreed to this. He already said he was fine with it. And I said, okay. I was thinking two or $3,000 he's going to take off. I really did, folks. I really thought he's going to take off two or $3,000. I said, please just let me pay for my material, which was over $3,000. I said, please just let me pay for that material. You can take off everything that you need. Just let me pay for that. I thought, Lord, I'm going to come back and 
And I, I was going to be happy with it. Because I was just, I wanted to diffuse it. I just felt like I needed to diffuse it. Now some of you are saying, Mark, that sure didn't make like you was a big man on this thing. Yeah, it did. And you know why? Because I'm used to just lighting the fuse and letting it burn. I said, okay, whatever you feel like you need to take off, just go ahead and take off. You can send me a check for the rest of it. And the whole time that Gene and I were gone, we were gone for two weeks. The whole time Gene and I was gone, I was thinking, I'm not going to make anything off that. I've been there for two weeks. I'm not going to make anything off that. Well, come home. There's a check in the mail. He took off $800. Now, some of you are saying, boy, that was a lot. No, it wasn't. It could have been a whole lot worse. And the thing about it is, is it completely diffused him. He said, listen, here's why I did it. When I started the, my part, and by the time I ended it, it cost me another $4,000. He didn't have the money to pay me. And he made the excuse that I did something wrong. And the Lord showed me that, and all of a sudden, I just had this compassion for this guy. <laughs> it's not normally me. I just had this compassion for this guy, and I thought, I want him to be happy, and I want him... He's just had a heart attack, and he's really in, a, he's really in bad shape, and I just want to defuse it, and I want him to be happy and walk away, and knowing that he and I are okay with each other. Anybody ever been there, or anybody there right now? You see, because I told that story, and I'm closing with that story, I told that story because I know that, that somebody in here, you're not in the same predicament, but you know that that unforgiveness in your heart right now is going to affect everything that you do and everything that you say. Because there's somebody in your life right now that you may be angry with because they either said something or did something that you didn't agree with. They were being difficult. You decided to be difficult with them. And I was going to tell somebody the other day, I never got the chance. Somebody was telling me that they had been mad at somebody for years and they were never going to forgive them. Somebody told me that. And I was sitting there thinking, when you have that unforgiveness and you can't forgive somebody, that's going to affect everything you do. You are a born-again believer and you are not living like one. God still loves you. You're still going to heaven. But wouldn't you rather enjoy the ride? Come on, stand up with me. Come on. Why don't you grab the hand of the person next to you? Because there's somebody in here that just needs your help a little bit. Just go ahead and grab the hand of the person next to you. I know it's a little odd, but who cares, right? Because we're going to pray together. And you know, this, this, this bond right here on the in, on, in this building right now, this bond... We're going to release some stuff and the devil's got to get out of here because he's in, he's, he's in here. I don't know if you believe it or not, but th there are demons in here right now trying to keep you from listening, trying to keep things from, from happening in here, and we're not going to take it. Oh, yeah, they're even in church. So, Father, right now, I just speak over, let's, let's just bow our heads. Father, right now, I speak over each and every person in this room, including myself, including myself, Father, that that whatever anger and whatever resentment and whatever those things that we have, the pride and the, all those things that make us difficult in Jesus' name, we let them go right now. You got to get out of this room. 
Father, because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, once again, we don't have time to be difficult. We got too many things to do while we're here. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I cast those things off of each and every... We cast those things off of us right now. Father, we are free from those things that have been hindering us for years, for months, for years, whatever it has been. We are free from that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I see marriages coming back together in this room. Someone has been struggling so much in marriage that they're thinking that there's no time left. In Jesus' name, that marriage is being renewed in this room right now simply because unforgiveness is leaving. Unforgiveness is leaving. Father, I see that marriage tying back together right now in Jesus' name. Father, I see somebody in here right now that you think that you are not good enough for God because of the things that you've done in the past. In Jesus' name, you are released from that because God sees who you are. God sees your future and whatever you have done is not, in, is not stronger than the power that resides in you right now. Amen. Now, Father, if there is somebody in this room, anywhere in this room that they have not received your Son as their Savior, they're doing that right now where they stand. Father, we thank you that we have your Son. He died for us on that cross. And Father, we receive Him as our Savior. If there is somebody in this room that needs to receive Him right now, that they say the words, I receive you as my Savior. I'm not backing down. Whatever the world's got for me, you are better. You are greater. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on. Let's give the Lord a shout one more time. Hey, freedom has taken place in this room. So we ought to get out of here thinking, man, look who I am. And look at what I can do, not because of what I am. It's because who's on the inside of me. I can do anything that God puts in front of me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you ready, Kay? Get up here and shout and slop around a little bit. You took care of it. <laughs> All right, y'all, just give me two more minutes. Go ahead and take a seat. As he was telling that story about uh, what was going on at his work, it reminded me here of the event center. I get the privilege of managing it, and I get to talk to Beth about some things that go on when, as in my dealings with people as they come to rent out the venue and things like that. And, and that, they push my buttons a lot because my button is like whenever somebody, I, I tell them something, and then they ask me a question for the same answer. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, we already talked about that. Mm-hmm, it's on the website. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how I want to respond. And I'm, you know, i got to put on my nice pants and, and respond kindly. And, and so it's just funny because it reminded me of that. And speaking of the event center, like, it's really cool because our vision for that was that it would fund our building here so that all of our tithes and offerings and things like that could go to outreach and funding the, the ministry of this church. The event center crew, they get to deal with the difficult people too. Brandon and Matthew up here on the front, they work most of the events, and they're incredible. You guys are rock stars, really. You really are. So uh, the, I think is three months in a row, the event center paid our rent here. Super awesome. 
And it's not slowing down, y'all. We had three events here this last weekend, one on Friday and two on Saturday. My vision is for us to have at least four on, on each Saturday. It's really, and people are loving it. If you go on Google and Google No Limits Event Center and see the reviews, they're all five-star reviews. They're like best venue in town. So super awesome. God's blessed it, and it's amazing. So as you guys give today, I want you to just thank him that he's using it to, to reach people in our community and all around the world. If you give during the week, that's great too because there's online giving. But hey, if you're giving by cash or check today, just raise your hand and one of the guys in the back will bring you an offering envelope. If you want to give using a debit or credit card, they're going to put the instructions on the screen here in probably like five seconds. Or if you're listening online right now, you can go ahead and head to your browser and type in nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com. You spit .fyi instead and then tap the giving button. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.